Heads up, y'all. If you're like me, you've been thrashed with political ads at literally every turn. Election season is in full swing. So on Sunday, our two candidates for governor, Steve Sisolak and Joe Lombardo, sat down for 90 minutes in their first debate at IndieFest, an event hosted by the Nevada Independent. As our producer Sonia would say, it was spicy. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, David, Layla, and I are going to give you the quick and dirty recap of the debates, replete with all the drama. CityCast was a sponsor for IndieFest, so both David and Layla got to see it in real time. It's Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. I'm Vogue Robinson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Layla, you both were able to witness in real time the gubernatorial debate between Governor Sisolak and Sheriff Lombardo. I'd like to know if y'all can describe your impressions of the debate with one word. Layla. I'll say entertaining. Okay. Why entertaining? Um, I'm actually taking that word from the focus group that went on before and after the debate. They said it was entertaining because of the back and forth. They were kind of both attacking each other, but not a lot of meat in the discussion. No meat. Where's the beef? David, what is your one word? Mundane. Mundane. These words. David, why mundane? No new ground broken. As much as there was some at times spirited back and forth at times, but not too often, It was the same old, it seemed like they were just recycling some of the talking points from the ads. They were defending some of the talking points, sure, but didn't really get into the bit of governance that I wanted to hear about. So mundane. That's Mm -hmm. whack. So, I mean, what answers stood out to you from the candidates? Well, one of the first questions that Ralston asked, uh, who is CEO of the Nevada Independent, who hosted IndieFest, one of the first questions was about Lombardo's relationship with Trump. And he asked him if Trump was a great president. And Lombardo said, I wouldn't say great. Mm. Yeah. So David, what did you think of that moment? Well, I'm going to talk about what happened the next day after Lombardo said that. It was actually a shock. I mean, Lombardo seemed pretty proud of himself to say, "I I wouldn't say great, like the real Lombardo was able to kind of come out, but then he realized that Trump's endorsement is so important to him and Trump's actually mm-hmm. coming to Nevada to do a rally up in the rurals. Right. The very next day, press release from Lombardo and only one sentence in it was bolded, which is President Trump was a great president. Mm. <laughs> so toe backpedal from a moment of candor to a moment of politics the very next day. Obviously, Former President Trump is very polarizing in the state. His endorsement was very important to Lombardo as he was in a very heated primary with a lot of Trump supporters on the ballot against him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so that was kind of a wow moment in the debate, which, you know, we had to give back the next day. Yeah, that endorsement definitely made me think, Okay, they're on the same team. They're going to completely be super positive with one another. So, yeah, that was like, oh, did you just throw away (laughs) your little golden ticket? 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like that he was had that, a moment of honesty. It was, you know, nobody 100% agrees with anyone's policy or decisions. Like, that's not how humans work. And I was like, oh, look at you yeah, being a person. That's what said. Trying to tow that line. Mm-hmm. Until today and uh, in, in on paper. Untowed. <laughs> so I know we had an episode, um, I think actually before I was working here, <laughs> I know we had an episode that discussed the North Shore lab testing. David, can you give some details about how they address that during the debate? So the, the bottom line of anyone who's following the campaign knows is that there was this company that was in our state operating in different cities. They needed some state licensing. They got moved to the front of the line to go through the process, not, you know, guaranteed in any way. And and they got the licensing that they need in the process, but Sislak defended his role, his staff's role in that because of the necessity that was apparent during the time when we needed COVID testing. And Lombardo punched it hard saying, you know, Sislak, by doing this sort of thing and allowing this company to do business in the state, put people's lives at risk. After that story came out in ProPublica, where one sampling of the test results showed a 97% failure of accurate results, which, you know, or 96%, Mm -hmm. whatever it was, was remarkably high uh, for rapid testing. So that's an F. Yeah. And and so, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And so this is something that has gone back and forth. It's not new ground. It's, you know, something that the Lombardo campaign has definitely put a lot of weight into. It's something that Sislak was very defensive about at the debate. But, you know, that was kind of where it was at the end of the day. Nothing particularly new about it. No new insights or revelations about it either, unfortunately. Sislak swore on his family that the donor involved with the North Shore lab right. testing. Oh, yeah, my mama. <laughs> didn't tell him anything. Oh, oh, on my, oh baby's, my, on my baby's mama, who I don't talk to anymore, which was like a weird swear on. <laughs> I think so that weird. was how that broke down. That was a weirdo swear on. Like, I swear on the woman whose life yeah, I... Yeah, that was a moment like, I get it, I get it. I don't, I don't really talk to her, I don't think. I don't know. Yeah, it was like it was definitely a moment that Sislak wanted to be like, I swear on my family. They did not tell me anything beforehand. I did not push them up to the line because he was my donor. He wanted to make it very clear that it was because they could get testing results faster. They were already licensed by the federal government and in like, I think he said 20 other states. Um, So Sislak made a really big point of that. But I think, yeah, like David said, no, not a lot of new information. I mean, not to just drop this point, but I wanted a reaction shot from the the, the mother of his children. That's it. Um, <laughs> you know, what 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 they had done and, and what the, the technique in this gubernatorial debate was, John Ralston actually played that political ad. His donor's sons got a COVID testing contract for their client, but 96% of their tests failed to identify COVID cases while Nevadans were dying. Now there's an investigation, and Steve Sisolak is caught in the middle. And then, you know, Ralston tried to press him on it, like, do you disavow it? What evidence do you have? And do you remember, I'm trying to remember what exactly what Lombardo said lately. I have not seen evidence contrarian to that point of view. Mm-hmm. I have not seen evidence contrarian to that I point of view. I ain't seen nothing. So they talked about really how they're playing the political game. But trying to get to an issue, when they brought up abortion what were some things that we heard as far as their perspectives? Well, I'm going to just start by saying that Lombardo is really getting attacked from both Sisolak and Pax on his stance on abortion, which is, you know, to be 
as fair as I can, really all over the place. Oh. Lombardo, in his defense, was like, look, it's part of Nevada law. It's part of you know a, a process through the Constitution that it would take to get it changed. It's not going anywhere, so I don't even know why this is an issue. And I think, of course, you would say that because it seems to be testing well with a lot of voters, which is why we're seeing a lot of ads on that. But they did get into the weeds of Lombardo's position on abortion, which kept getting pressed. Yeah, so there was even a truck outside the venue that said Lombardo is against contraception. Sisolak pushed Lombardo on points that the governor does have purview over and voters don't have say in things like mandatory waiting periods and mandatory ultrasounds. Lombardo said that he was in support of changing mandatory waiting periods, but against mandatory ultrasounds. So we got some answers on that, but it seemed in the debate that Lombardo could easily change his mind once again on his stance on abortion. Sisolak is running for re-election. Did his track record as governor come under scrutiny? Oh, yeah. I'm going to say yes and no on that one. I I felt that Lombardo hit a number of topics uh, with really broad strokes, very generalized attacks that, you know, uh, Sislak was a failure, that businesses suffered, that people suffered, these type of very generalized critiques without really getting into uh, statistics or real impact. Solutions? Uh, Yeah. But, you know, there were a couple that seemed to be pointed out specifically that Lombardo wanted to talk about. One was the the crisis at Dieter, which is the uh, unemployment. Yeah, that one came up as the thing that Sislak is most criticized for, um, his handling with the employment office and how all of that broke down during COVID, which I think he had a interesting-ish answer when he said that it was because there weren't enough claim adjusters um, and the system was overwhelmed like it was overwhelmed all over the country. They couldn't deal with the millions of dollars of fraud that was happening and they did the best that they could. So that was Sislak's answer to how the unemployment office broke down during COVID and his handling of that. I mean, what's interesting is that there are so many areas that the governor is in charge of and like none of them were really discussed. All the various cabinet level positions, the stuff that affects us here in Las Vegas on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. outside of unemployment claims, which were again, all tied to kind of like the COVID discussion and second guessing a lot of the governor's decisions, good and bad about, about COVID. There wasn't a lot of discussion about policy. There wasn't a lot of discussion about Sislak's track record with you know, various specific appointments that he's made with results based on his governance. None of that. I mean, you would think that that would be ripe for uh, analysis or discussion or debate. And none of that really did come out other than what we just discussed. What about Lombardo's track record? Did that come under any scrutiny at all? It popped up a little bit. It was really kind of a, a shot back from Sisolak to Lombardo about how he handled certain funds that were made available. There was a bit of a discussion in, in regard to the accusations that the other is or is not in favor of new taxes to support things and uh <laughs> 
supporting the police in particular. There was a little bit back and forth when they talked about crime very briefly uh, and only in the context of crime rates and things. There were some weird personal digs that came out of that. And maybe we'll talk about that in just a second. But yeah, as much as there is as uh, as the governor for four years to really go after some of the decision making and, and and policy decisions and governance style of of Sisolak, uh, so too is all that available for the person who's been chair for a very long time now. And there have been lots and lots of stories about things that have happened internally at Metro, employment issues. There have been a lot of stories in the in the newspaper about settlements that Metro has had to make for the misconduct of of their employees, of their officers on the street. Um, you know, the 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 city of Las Vegas had many, many protests over the summer of 2020. And you know, the responses from Lombardo seem to be to to be fair game uh, that Sislak could have talked about. And yet none of that was discussed. Yeah, I mean, the focus group said the same thing. They didn't really talk about any of the policies that they would put in place as governor. And for Sislak in his next term, they kind of just went back and forth at each other doing jabs and trying to defend their records. Political theater, Political which I'm theater. excited about. <laughs> this language around it because it felt like that was a word that kept coming up. Yeah. So what, like, political theater, what were moments or what was, like, one moment of political theater that stood out to you, David? Oh, when when crime came up and Sislak trotted out some incident that there wasn't enough explanation for and maybe too much time spent on at the same time about uh, Joe Lombardo's daughter's car was stolen from their... Uh, driveway, and it was later tied to a million dollars in illegal drugs. And like, there seemed to be a lot more to that story. And yet it was just kind of trotted out as being (laughs) sort of like, see, he can't even keep his own daughter safe, maybe. Or like, is Lombardo involved in drugs? I mean, I'm not really sure what he was trying to accomplish with that. And it, it seemed to be very forced in. But that wasn't the only one. Yeah, the car theft was definitely a weird moment. Another weird moment was in the middle of the North Shore labs conversation, Sisolak pivoted to criticize Lombardo on denying benefits entitled to officers who died in the line of duty. And there there were two widows in the front row and Sisolak made a point of pointing to them. The front and row. And talking about their funerals and uh, the officers' funerals and how he attended the memorials and Lombardo didn't even attend the memorials. And Lombardo said like, oh, that was all political theater. And then Sislak made a big show of, you're going to say that was political theater to these two widows in the front row. You're going to look them in the face. And that was like- Whose husbands were police officers for all that time Mm -hmm. and who died. Yeah, it was like that. It, that was that was a little over the top. Exactly. So, David, how did our candidates do in terms of keeping things civil? All right. I, I might be an outlier on this opinion, but I thought they were, like, conspiratorially civil to each other for the most part. Uh-huh. That all the jabs that came against one another were mostly uh, predictable and not too hard cutting as though they might have had some sort of backdoor deal to not go somewhere if the other one doesn't go somewhere. One one exception, however, there was a question that came up about the Las Vegas Chamber of Commerce, which is a very pro-business organization endorsing Sisolak over Lombardo when they do typically tend to favor the Republican or more conservative individual. And 
to explain that, Lombardo said, well, everyone knows that many members of that committee are intimidated by Governor Sisolak and they're afraid of what he'll do to them if they don't support him because he's well known as a bully. Now, I'm going to say that that sort of depiction of Sisolak is not unheard of in our community, that, that that language has been used in many quarters, whether or not it is a truism or provable was something that to his credit, and lots of credit to John for asking some really hard questions, yeah. although not necessarily all the questions I would ask. But that said, um, he pushed back. He said, well, what what evidence do you have? Who? Who who changed it? Who's afraid because he's a bully? And, you know, Lombardo did not answer that question. But that's as uncivil as a god. I mean, he essentially called the man a bully to his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think something that the focus group brought up was you could kind of tell that Sisolak is a career politician and he seemed very polished in his answers and very prepared to the point where at some moments uh, the way he spoke to Lombardo in my opinion kind of seemed like he was trying to belittle Lombardo talking about he didn't know what contact tracing was questioning what his definition of inflation was those were moments I think the focus group picked up on where they were like oh it's just like he seemed like a very career politician and Lombardo seemed more of the the average Joe. Average Joe Lombardo. The average Joe and then the 10-year t- the county commissioner, Sisolak, and then yeah. average Joe, the average Joe Lombardo, the, the sheriff. Yeah, mm-hmm. just a blue-collar cop on the beat doing his job and look who's bullying me now. What do we expect from future debates? What will get repeated and what do you think will be different? I think and I hope that they focus on policy more, more on housing, more on mental health. Those were the issues that the focus group was really interested in hearing about. And I don't think we got much on anything there. Uh, In the future, I'm going to adjust my bingo card for the drinking game of what gets said. I'm going to add some words like modicum and draconian. Cronyism. Mm -hmm. Political theater. Got to gotta add that to. I don't know. You know, uh, these gentlemen really don't want to seem to really go after each other's governance ability or style specifically. Uh, they don't want to get into the weeds of stuff because I think they both have vulnerabilities. And again, not to be too conspiratorial, I just don't think they're going to go after each other in those particular ways. I think it's going to continue to be broad stroke attacks on each other, uh, you know, broad stroke tied to those key issues like abortion, that North Shore scandal is not going to go away. I, I don't have a lot of encouragement that they're going to refine the the type of debating that they're going to be doing between now and the election because there's very little time. Yeah, I think they have to be a little bit more specific and stay away from being broader um, next time around because something that the focus group again pointed out was that they felt even more uncertain after the debate than they did going into the debate. So I think being more specific next time around is really going to help them and help voters figure out who they want to be their governor. Was there a clear winner in this debate? According to the focus group, no. They, I think the focus group was split down the middle and even more undecided than they were going in. I think Lombardo came out ahead simply because um, Sislak wasn't able to chop him down on the inability to be the governor specifically. I, I don't think that he painted him as being 
particularly inept or unqualified to do the job, uh, which I think was a potential vulnerability because, you know, frankly, as much as he's been an elected official, he hasn't run more than fellow cops, you know, and as big a budget as that is, uh, it's not the same as as governing. Um, you know, Steve Sislak came from the chairperson of the Clark County County Commission. And so, you know, that was a vulnerability, unexploited, and therefore, uh, I think Lombardo, by not getting knocked down, came out ahead. Well, it's interesting that the Nevada Independent did a poll with predictive insights. They polled 741 likely Nevada voters, and everything was in the margin of error, but 43% of voters view Sislak favorably, while 45% of voters view Lombardo favorably. So the margin is very close, and we'll see how the candidates adjust to this as we approach November. We're going to close out today's podcast theater. Layla Muhammad and David Figler, thanks so much for giving us all the 411 about the hour and a half long gubernatorial debate. Thanks, Vogue. Thank you, Vogue. A couple things you should know before you go. In the latest round of Animal Foundation drama, the shelter has now paused adoptions because 16 of their dogs have come down with a respiratory illness. It's unclear when operations will resume. Meanwhile, in weed news, there's a slight dip in sales compared to the year before. Experts say it's because of the sales boom during the pandemic. This past fiscal year, Nevada still brought in nearly $1 billion in taxable sales, with nearly $147 million of that going to our K-12 education budget. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Did you enjoy the show? Go tell a friend or 17. Help your friends stay informed about what's going on in our city. Just send them links. They'll they'll love you for it. <laughs> Don't forget to follow the show and subscribe to our amazing morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk soon. Pikachu. All right. <clears throat>